0: How many of those ain't nothing like a praying mama? I said, they ain't nothing like a praying mama. Are you with me? Let me tell you, let me tell you I, want, I want to just read the last part of our opening scripture because I, I want to make sure for time purposes to get you out to your Mother's Day dinners. Praise God today and respect your time. It just simply says this in Psalm 112, that the man who fears the Lord is blessed. He goes on to say his descendants was going to be mighty on earth. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Righteousness will endure forever in his life. In verse 5 says a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely, somebody shout surely. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. And one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs thirteen twenty two. It says a good man or a good woman leaves an inheritance to his or her children's children. Somebody say children's children. Do you know what that is? That's your grandkids. So so the minimum legacy impact should be grandkid level, praise God. You know, first of all, we need to make an impact in our generation. Then we need to make an impact in the generation of our children. And then our lives need to make an impact in the generation of our grandchildren. I want to tell you that today, one of the greatest legacy makers in the world are parents, mamas and daddies. And even though we're ending this series today technically... I can assure you probably when I get on Father's Day, I'll probably do an addendum to the series and we'll talk about the legacy of daddy, praise God. But can I show you something about a famous mother? A famous mother that many people don't know her name. They may know of her, they even may know her story, but most people don't know her story because it's brief. But they probably don't know her name. But let me ask you, this, how many of you ever heard of Moses? Raise your hand. You ever heard of Moses? Moses? Come on, you ain't lived in Alabama if you ain't heard of Moses. Because how many knows everybody in, in Alabama has heard something about Moses and Noah and Adam and Eve and Jesus? Praise God. Whether they know really who they were or not, they've heard those names. Moses. How many's ever heard of Moses' brother Aaron? Okay. Pro- probably, uh, may- maybe a little bit less in this answer. I might be surprised. But how many's heard of Moses' sister Miriam? Okay. So, three very famous siblings. Moses. Aaron and Miriam but the reality is this without mama none of us would be here right so there would be no Moses there would be no Aaron there'd be no Miriam without Jacobed how many's ever heard the name Jacobed it's okay if you haven't because there's a lot of unknown characters in the scripture that are very, very critical. The Bible tells us her story in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. It says So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born, you shall cast him into the river, and every daughter shall stay alive. And there went out, and, and there went a man out of the house of Levi and took a wife of a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. This is talking about Jochebed. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags or the reeds by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off. To what we would have done to him. Now, watch this. The Bible tells us this story of a woman named Jochebed, and the Pharaoh had given this order and this decree for a reason. He was intimidated and he was afraid of the Jewish people and the growth of the Jewish people. Because here's how they got there. If you know the story of Joseph and the many colors and and all of that, his coat of many colors, and how he got sold into slavery and how he ended up making it to Egypt and interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh and sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh, do you know the story? Say amen. amen. And out of that, because of the blessings and the favor that was on him sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh, He was able to bring his father and his brothers and all of their family to Egypt in the middle of a famine. And they they stayed in the place called Goshen, which was a a suburb, if you will, of of Egypt. It was right outside uh, the gates of Egypt. So when they were out there, and they they were small in number, over the years, God blessed them. And they began to grow abundantly. And the Bible says that they grew in such a number that they were outpacing the number of Egyptians. And the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. In other words, what happened was he, that, that we see that, that there was an, a, a man who did not know the story of Joseph. His grandfather uh, or his father or grandfather who was the Pharaoh in the time of Joseph had died and went off. So now instead of him honoring the israelite people he was scared and he said something like this he said we've got to do something about the growth of these people because if we don't they're going to out, outpace us and we know god their god is with them so they will overtake us and they will take our land so he understood the power of the seed is in the boy and that's why he said this so he said we're not going to kill the, the grown men because they know how to fight if we go in and start trying to kill them, they'll defend themselves and they'll fight us. So we don't want, how many knows the devil is a coward. So he took the coward route. He said, instead of fighting the adults, we're just going to kill the little boys. And if the, if the little boy is dead, he can't become a man. And he can't become a soldier. If the women want the girls to be born, because the girls will be our servants, and they will be our slaves, and we will take them and, and, and demand that they be our wives. And they will reproduce our children but we do not want them to reproduce the Hebrew children. So that was the plan. So every mother in that time, they didn't have sonar. They didn't have reveal parties. How many of those, there wasn't no jelly. They rubbed on their belly and looked at a, at, a, uh, at a picture on the wall and go, oh, look at there, I see that, that's a boy. And then they didn't have these little reveal parties where they popped out a blue balloon or a pink balloon. And, it's a boy. How many of those back in the day, it wasn't that long ago for us, that we had the same, we didn't know what we were going to have either. So so here we are in this time knowing every mother knew if I give birth to a girl, then we can have a party. If I give birth to a boy, I have been commanded to pick up my son. I want you to get a picture of this and throw him into the Nile River to drown. Or I will be killed and all of my family will be killed. But how many knows you can't tell a mama that's had a baby growing inside of her for nine months to throw that baby in the Nile River. Huh? There's something in a mama going to buck up on you. Come on, somebody. They just some mama bear going to jump out when you try to tell her to to harm her baby. A true mama. Come on, somebody. I know there's some mamas out there that need, can I just be real with y'all, they need to tell... Well, Okay, all right. I mean they just just like some daddies that need to be uh, uh, have some hands laid on ministry done to them. Come on, somebody, huh? There've been some men over the years I've been like, okay, I, I, raise your hands, brother. I'm about to lay hands on you, and they're like, oh yeah, like, no, you don't know. <laughs> I'm about to do some ministry, but but they're probably secretly praying, Lord, give me a girl. Lord, give me a girl. Lord, give me a girl, Lord, me a girl so I can, so I don't have to have that pressure. But when Moses was born and she saw he was a boy, automatically mama kicked in and and the wheels turned. And she was like, i got to find a way to save my child. She looked at her child and she knew something was special about her son. She knew there was an anointing on him. But it's easy to to turn the story into, well, of course she would try to save her son. Her son was Moses. Watch this. She didn't know who Moses was going to be. She didn't do any of this to save the people of Israel. She did this as a mama trying to save her baby. And it probably happened more times than just what Jochebed did. But the only reason we know this story is because of who Moses is. But a bunch of mothers was probably doing the same thing. See, the number one thing on your notes is this. One of the most important things a child can have in their life is a determined praying mama or mother huh because i got news for you you can look your mama in the face and tell your mama you don't even believe in god and she'll walk right in the next room and pray a destiny of power and glory over you huh a praying mama go right in the next room and say i know what they said i know what he said i know what she said but i call those things are not as though they were that's a missionary that's a preacher that's a man or a woman of god they're gonna raise come on somebody See, kids think that they can tell their mamas and daddies who they're going to be. Now, listen, we, 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 everybody's got to make their own way. Everybody's got to do the work as they become adult. The new term the millennials invented called adulting. It's, it's a real term. It's been around forever, y'all. Come on, somebody. We've all been adulting since creation began. But the reality is this. We don't understand the power of the spoken word of a mama or daddy over their kids. Now, we can't tell our kids what to be. We can't tell them what career they're going to have. We can't tell them that they're going to do this or this. But we can remind them of who they are in God. And we can pray that no matter what they say or what they believe. I'm not even talking about what they say. I'm talking about they might not even believe in God. They might look at you and say, you believe in a fairy tale? I don't believe in your God. And let me tell you something. It will hurt, but a praying mama. Well, let them walk away and say, you devil, you're a liar. You, I don't care what they, my baby does not believe that. Slap your neighbor and tell him that boy was preaching. Jochebed's courage and tenacity not only saved her son, but what she didn't realize, the big picture, she saved an entire nation. Are you hearing me? Because one mama made a decision to take care and preserve the life of her son. Yeah. Her son saved the nation. Yeah. So we know Moses is a great deliverer. But we can really say, Jochebed should be in that same conversation. Mm-hmm. See, many mothers and even great characters are mentioned throughout Scripture, but seldom mention Jochebed in the great leaders in the hall of faith. She should be in the hall of faith. It takes great faith to look at the most powerful man in the world and say, I know what you said, but you ain't killing my boy. Huh? I'm telling you what these mamas that's come out of that house before, walked out on the street corner, and pointed their finger at the drug dealers on the edge of the corner and said, I'm gonna tell you right now, you ain't gonna have my boy. In the name of I'm talking about looking death in the face, knowing they could, their own life could be in jeopardy, but they pleading the blood of Jesus over their kids. The only thing that can happen to your kids bad ultimately is when you give up on them. Huh? You don't give up on your kids. Touch your neighbor and tell him you don't give up on your kids. Next thing on your notes is this. Moses' mother should be regarded as one of the most important people in the history of Israel. Not just mothers, not just women. She should be regarded as one of the most important people in the history of the nation of Israel. Don't you think about Jochebed. You said you heard of Aaron, right? Think about her children. Aaron was the firstborn. He went on to be the right-hand man of of her son Moses. He went on to be the very first high priest in the history of Israel. Her son wore the first priestly garb, walked into the Holy of Holies, and was the first human being since Adam in the garden to stand in the room isolated from the rest of the world and stand before the absolute glory and presence of God as God came down and sat on the mercy seat. He had to have bells tied to the bottom of his garment so that he would make noise. He had a golden rope tied to his right foot and, it, and the rope went out from the Holy of Holies through the, through the inner court and into the hands of the Levite workers and they had to listen for him walking around inside of that room and making the sound of a bell because if they ever heard the bell stop, they knew that the presence of God had stricken, struck, him, struck him dead and they had to pull him out by a rope because no one in the whole nation in the world was worthy to walk in that room except Jochebed's son the second born was Miriam she went home she went on to be someone who was a caretaker of Moses but also she was one of the ones like Sandy was that caused me to write this book I see greatness in you to call the greatness out she called the greatness out of Moses if you'll read it you'll see that she was one of the ones that reminded Moses of who he was And then, of course, Moses. So here's a woman who gave birth to the very first high priest ever who stood face to face before God. A son named Moses who climbed a mountain and spoke with God audibly as a friend would speak to a friend. Held tablets that was written by the hand of God. So close to God that God had to hide him in the cleft of a rock as he walked by. And his glory was so strong on her son Moses that he had to put a veil over his face. Because if he'd have came down off the mountain without a veil over his face, it would have knocked every Israelite out and killed them all. He was so full of the glory of God. It's their kids. Then you have Miriam, when they crossed the Red Sea, is the first ever recorded Jewish praise and worship service led as a nation she took out her tambourine and she began to write a song and sing a song of deliverance and led an entire nation in worship you talk about a legacy you talk about the legacy of a mama you talk about a mama who shook the world not through her life but through her children these kids did not just become who they were because god just chose them they became who they were because their mama and their daddy poured into them let me show you something interesting and we're going to go quickly to end this Watch this she did all of that she raised three world changing children while living a life of bondage and slavery she did not allow the persecution of the enemy to cause her to be so distraught and angry at God that she allowed it to turn her heart away from God. In fact, the Bible said the more the children of Israel, when Pharaoh wrote this story here in Exodus chapter 1, the Bible said he, he increased the workload on them, beat them even worse. But the Bible said the more the persecution increased, the stronger they became and the greater in number they became i got news for you. I've learned in my life, I've never grown to another level in my life when things are going perfect in my life. But when all hell is breaking loose against me, that's when I grow. If you you will allow the mess in your life to teach you something, mm. that wasn't in my notes, but that was good. Huh? Legacy. Somebody shout legacy. legacy. Now I want you to get the picture of this. I want you to hear this story. She hid him for three months. How many of those? That's symbolic. The Bible tells us in the 91st Psalm that there's a place called the secret place of the Most High. That we can hide under the shadow of the Almighty. That comes through prayer. That comes through pleading the blood of Jesus. My kids would tell you, they, used to, they loved it, but at the same time they'd get aggravated by it as they got older. When they get ready to go to school, they're running, they're late. And I'd say, wait, wait, wait. They'd stick their head out. Why? Because I was going to plead the blood of Jesus over them. We were going to pray over we didn't always do it. We didn't always do what we were supposed to do. We, we dropped the ball many times as parents on it, but we tried to have a devotion with them. We tried to plead the blood of Jesus over them to send them out. We'd say, in the name of Jesus, your angels are going before the cars and going before the buses, all this kind of stuff. And as a kid, as they're older, they probably appreciate that. When there's a kid, just like you as a kid, you're rolling your eyes in your back your head, my God, how many times are you going to plead the blood of Jesus? How many times are you going to call the angels down on me? You know, come on, Dad, i got to get to school. Come on. But you know why? you got to do that! So that's, that's hiding your kids under the shadow of my mind. So she hid him as best she could for three months and then all of a sudden you know, Moses started getting loud when he's hungry. He's getting louder and louder. He's getting bigger and bigger. It was hard to hide him. So she's like, what am I going to do, God? How I many it was one of the hardest things in the world that a parent ever has to do. In fact, I believe it's probably the hardest thing the parent has to do is to get to a place with their children where they understand I've done all I can do. And I've got to release I've got to put them into your hands God I've got to give you an opportunity to do something with my kids I'm not going to stop praying I'm not going to stop pleading the blood of Jesus and it is in my nature to try to hold on as long as I can but I understand I've got to let go so she made this little bull rush this little ark and she placed her little baby in this ark and she put him in the water and she turned loose she didn't know what was going to happen but she had done all she could do she put him in God's hands. One of the things that, I uh, don't want to sound like some, some pitch guy on, on TV trying to sell a book, but I, I'm going to tell you this, that, that this story impacts my life so much that I take a chapter in my book to tell this story in detail. And one of the little, there's a little quip from the book that you'll get to read next week, praise God. It, it, says, it says this, how ironic it is that the very judgment and the very declaration that Pharaoh made that would be the death of Moses, the Nile River, God would turn around and use the Nile River to be the salvation of Moses. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something? Many times the devil's so stupid, he'll declare that something over your life, and if you got a praying mama, praying daddy, got a church praying for you or something, the devil will think he's got you. How many times has this happened where God will turn that thing on the devil and use the very thing he thought was going to kill you to be the thing that saves you? So he puts her down in the Nile River. What's this? Puts him down the Nile River, and he floats away. And he says, God, she says, God, you're going to have to do it. Now watch what God does. At that very moment, Pharaoh, the one that declared all boys are to be killed, Hebrew boys are to be killed, just happens to be coming down to the Nile River with her entourage to take a bath. So she's getting ready to bathe, and all of a sudden she says, what is that? And she looks up, and this little makeshift little boat come floating up with, of all things, a Hebrew baby boy inside it. And knowing what her daddy said, this ain't just some woman, this is the daughter of the man that said that boy's got to be killed. She looks at him and says, he is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think I'll adopt him. That's weird, man. So she tells her assistant to pick him up, and she says, draw him out of the water. And when they picked him up and drew him out of the water, the the assistant says, we have drawn him out. And she says, his name shall be known as drawn out. That's what Moses means. Moses means to be drawn out. So she named him Moses because he was drawn out of the water in other words his name memorialized the act of his mama even his name is a legacy of the act of his mama she was drawn out now the amazing thing is at that precise moment standing on top of the hill is his sister miriam watching it all happen probably crying on me i'm gonna see my brother again and all of a sudden, she watches this amazing thing. She's probably thinking to herself, they're going to pick him up and kill him. Throw him right back in the water. Because that's what daddy said to do. But then he, she hears what she says. I'm going to adopt him. All of a sudden, Miriam says, hey, I know you ain't never been pregnant. So you, you, you can't feed no baby. That's way what we say in Alabama. You can't feed no baby. How, 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 many, how many knows they didn't have no formula back here? Praise God. Y'all get the picture, right? No simulac, baby. So, so it says, I know you can't feed that boy. That's a really good thing you're doing. And all of a sudden, it hit, it hit the, the girl. She's like, she's right. How am I going to feed this baby? And Miriam says, hey, I got an idea. What if I go ask a Hebrew woman, just pick a Hebrew woman out that just had a baby? Because, you know, she can feed him, and I'll just bring her here, and she can be your servant, and she can feed the baby for you, what do you think, she goes, that is a great idea, go get me a Hebrew woman, Miriam runs right down to Jochebed, and says, mama, you ain't gonna believe what I just heard, Jochebed's like, what, she's like, Pharaoh's daughter just adopted Moses, and they want you to come work for her and get paid to feed your boy. Come on, somebody. The devil is stupid. So when Jochebed released her son to the hands of God, she had no idea that God had a plan to put him right back in her arms. On the same day. That's unbelievable. Now, some of y'all are going to immediately just say something like this. Well, of course, that happened that way because God showed her that. That's the only reason she would even do something like that. Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying that God spoke to a woman and said, look, you're going to have a son. you have him three months. You're going to have him for three months. At the end of three months, here's what we're going to do. Everybody else is going to think it's some crazy act of faith. Me and you both know what's going to happen. I want you to put it in a boat. Don't worry about it. Everything's good because I'm to, I want you to go ahead and prepare your daughter, Miriam. Tell them, daughter, hey, daughter, watch this because they're going to come down at the precise time and at the precise time." This is what I want you to say. Because we all know that the Pharaoh's daughter wants to adopt a Jewish boy. How many of those of all people that she wasn't going to adopt, it was going to be a Hebrew boy. But God works in mysterious ways, y'all. Don't you ever give up on God. He's working in things that you don't even know he's working in. See, some of y'all asking for God to open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. Here's the reality what you've got to become big picture. Not only does He open doors and shut doors, He made the doors. Are you hearing me? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. While we're trying to act, turn God into some kind of fortune teller that, that that somehow He can predict the future. God does not predict the future. He is the future. He's not... The Alpha and one day going to be the Omega. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, the A and the Z. So before Jacobed ever got pregnant, he already knew. The Bible says, "Know you not that I knew you?" Listen to what the Word of God said. I knew you, God said, before you were ever even formed in the belly of your mother, and I called you by name. What? That means God called Moses, Moses, before Jochebed and her man ever got together. And watch this, Jochebed didn't even name him Moses, Pharaoh's daughter did. So God so all-knowing and called him Moses, meaning I knew that Pharaoh's daughter would draw you out and name you Moses, so I'm going to go ahead and call you Moses before Jochebed ever gets pregnant. Good God Almighty. So we thought we named you Rachel. We thought we named Lizzie Elizabeth. Most of don't even know she's named Elizabeth. She don't even put on her ID card Elizabeth. Everybody calls her Lizzie. Praise God. Now y'all know the history of Lizzie. So you understand. That's a legacy. You're talking about a mama who shook the world. Jockabed. I even like saying the name Jockabed. Jockabed. Be. Say it with me, y'all. Jock-a. It almost sounds like Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, somebody. Jockabed needs to write a song about Jacob. Focus, Larry. That's an amazing story. There would have never been. Pharaoh, let my people go. Without the little boat. Without the release. See, Mamas and Daddies, we don't want to turn loose. But if we don't turn loose, some of these things that God has laid out for our kids may not be possible. Yeah. Am I preaching right? Yeah. I don't know if I skipped in there or not, but the next thing you notice, I'm going to go quick and finish this and get you out to your barbecue dinner. Yeah. Nothing is as powerful as a praying mother yeah. for her children. Nothing. How many times have you heard testimonies like this? Well, I'll tell you one thing. When they are on how they changed their life, I did this, I went down this road, I made some bad choices in my life, but I can tell you this. My mama never stopped praying for me. I've heard it time and time again. Even when I didn't want her to pray for me, she still prayed for me. So when I finally gave my life to God, you know the first number I call, if you still got your mother here with you, to call her up, Mom, I want you to know your prayers worked. Yeah, I was stubborn. It took me a long time, but you know what? Your prayers worked, Mama. To the single mothers, the next thing on your notes is this. You may be raising your children by yourself, but you are not alone. You may be alone in that house, and I do not belittle the struggle of a a single mother. Because nobody knows what a single mother goes through. Unless you're a single mother. Or many times, if you were raised by a single mother. I was raised by a single mother from age 10 to this point in my life. I've watched my mother do without all her life for me and my brother. I've watched my, my mother work herself so hard that she couldn't even walk. Back problems, leg problems plague her to this day because of how hard she worked for me and my brother. She did everything in her power to fulfill the role of a mother and a father to me. But she'll tell you, and every single mother will tell you, There's some things that a father is supposed to do that a mother can't do physically. But she can do the best she can. I'm saying all this to say this to you. I honor you. You are some of the strongest warriors, strongest humans on this earth. I think we ought to put our hands together for all the single mamas in this house right now. Now watch this. But you got to understand something. It was God who said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm prophesying you got to have a man, okay? Because some of y'all are like, I don't need no man. <laughs> Double snap, I am done with men. I done tried men, I tried another man, I gave the Lord another chance, that didn't work out. So I'm done with men. So if you're done with men, I'm not telling you you got to have a man in your house and be married. You want a man, claim a man. Okay? But here's the reality. Your son and your daughter need a man in their life on some level. If it's not a father, they need at least a spiritual father or mentor. Someone who can just affirm them. That's one of the reasons I believe the local church is so important. So I look from, from left to the right See, Mac Daddy. The one and only. You need anybody to mentor you? Let me tell you something. This man has been through so much stuff. He's writing a book right now. And I tell you what, it's one of the most anticipated books for me to read that I've ever anticipated in my life because I've heard some of the stories that this man has gone through. But you know what he does more than anything? He mentors and pours in to young and older men who need the affirmation of a father. He's not their father, but he becomes a father figure to them. I did not have a father in my life, but next week the man that would stand in this pulpit is as much a father to me as any man could ever be in my life. Mamas, get plugged into a local church. Get in a small group. Now, I'm not talking about anything weird. Nobody needs to be alone with your kid. That's not what I'm saying. You protect your kids. But be open to allowing some men of integrity, some women of integrity in this house to help you. You don't. You may, you may have the struggle on your own at home, in the chores of home. Let us help you there as well. We have small groups that are in place that want to help people who can't help themselves. Things around the house and different things like that. Can I tell you something? We want to be a church that shows you you don't have to do this by yourself. We can't replace who you need in that home, but we want you to feel the love of God in this house and that we are on your team with you. And to the best of our ability, we want to let you know you are not alone. Can I get an amen? As I close this, let me just say, If you you feel like as a mother or a father that you have failed your children probably that's the majority of the people in this room. If we could all go back and do it over with our kids, I promise you I'm number one. I would do a whole lot of things different. But don't let the devil tell you that you are a failure with your children. You gave them life. God if there's breath in your body, still wants to use you to help mold that life. It's never too late. It's never too late. The last thing in your notes is this mothers, and of course fathers, but today's Mother's Day. So, mothers, be determined to finish strong and leave a legacy in your children. You would be shocked at the number of people that I counsel. That are in their 40s, 50s, and even 60s, that say to me, I do not have a memory of my life, of my father looking me in the eyes and saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I know he loved me. He was at my ball games and all this, but he was just, he always said, I was just raised that way. My daddy told never told me he loved me, so it's just the way I am. I don't feel comfortable with that. But you know what? I don't care how you are. I don't care how your daddy raised you. I don't care how your mama raised you. Kids need to hear I love you. I don't care how old they are. My daughter's sitting in the front row. My other daughter's working in the ministry up top. Watch this. I don't care when I'm old and decrepit. And they got kids and they're older. They're still my kids. And they still need to hear I love you. They still need to hear I'm proud of you. Somebody just recently told me, successful man, successful, made a successful business. Blew me away. He said, I was driven. This man led multi-million dollar companies. And he said, I was a grown man. My kids were almost grown, living in a beautiful, nice home. And for the first time in my life, I don't even know how old this man is, but he's old enough to have grown kids. He said, just recently, my father looked at me for the first time in my life and said, Wow, son, you did all this? Son, I am proud of you. He said, It was the very first time in my life that he ever said he was proud of me. This man was grown, with grown kids, and a successful man who had led million dollar companies, and he was still wounded. And he, when he shared this with me, he said, here I am, this successful man that people all look up to. He said, when my dad said that to me, he said I had to excuse myself. And he said, I stepped, he said, I stepped in the next room of this big, beautiful home that God had blessed me with, and I cried uncontrollably because I had never heard those words. He said, but I'm telling you, when that happened, he said it was like something released in my life. And a new journey happened in my life. New doors started opening when I received the affirmation of my Father. So listen, no matter how old you are, if there's breath in your body, I don't care how you're raised, I don't care about your personality and what makes you feel comfortable. Go to your kids and hug them and love them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. See, if your kids are into drugs and addicted to alcohol, into sexual perversion, or any kind of lifestyle choice that you biblically don't agree with, let me tell you something, mamas, You love them to, and daddies, you love them to their face and in their presence. You don't judge them. But in your quiet time, you declare war on the devil. Okay? Not declare war on the child. Come on. You declare war on the devil. You love them where they're at, but you don't accept it. You plead the blood of Jesus, and you stay faithful, and you stay in the game. Because I got news for you. We stand on the Word of God, don't we? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they shall not depart from it. I'm standing on that principle. I want you to stand on that principle.